So, God told you to write a book. Now what? Hi, I'm Wendy Jo Serna, author, narrator, wife, and mother. I've written and published two novels thus far without really having any clue what I was doing. All I knew for sure was that I had heard from the Lord that I was to write a book. Beyond that, it was all just one grand adventure of faith and a lot of work. And along the way, I learned a few things, things I'd like to share with you. If I can do this, you can do this. You can write your book. Hey, if the author and finisher of all things told you to do it, he believes that you can. And so do I. So come on. Let's write. Hello, authors, and welcome back to Episode 6 of So God Told You to Write a Book, Now What? Today's topic is connectivity. Kind of a fancy word for relationships. But, you know, we talked about intimacy, certainty, audacity, tenacity, so I needed something with T at the end. So connectivity. That quality of staying connected with other people that enables us to accomplish what we need to accomplish, but also to accomplish what other people want to accomplish, to actually be in concert with with one another, like a symphony where there's lots of different members and parts and each one is important and each one is beautiful on its own. But in combination, we create something bigger and more bodacious. Connectivity. The Bible is full of exhortations for us to stay connected. In Romans 12, it says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the other. So we belong to one another just as the different parts of a body do. A thumb on its own is not all that effective. But connected to the hand and the rest of the body, it is really a very important member of the body. Just try to function without one. So in the body of Christ, we are designed to be in connection with one another. Now, I, by nature, am a bit of an introvert. I do pretty well just being on my own, and maybe it could be a bit of a recluse or a hermit under different circumstances, but I'm married and have family, and that's all good for me. But the writing process is a bit of an introverted solo journey in a lot of ways, and it can become very isolating. So being intentional about staying connected with other people is part of what we need to do as authors. I came up to a milestone this week with my manuscript in that I finished my first draft. Trumpets sounding, horns blowing, confetti flying. It's a big deal. It's a big milestone in the process of getting a novel written, or any book for that matter. So I'm patting myself on the back for brief moments and then setting my sights on what lies ahead. And what lies ahead, the next step is now, I need help. I really need help to get this thing across the finish line. I need editors. I need people whose skill set is specifically looking at manuscripts and seeing what makes them better. One of my editors said to me, I don't know how you do what you do, but I do know how to help you do what you do better, because that's what I do. (laughs) Does that make sense? Follow that line. 
So I am immensely thankful for those who have different skill sets than mine who come along and help me to do what I do even better. There is a story in the Old Testament where Joshua has been sent out to fight a battle with one of the ites. I think it's the Amalekites. And Moses is up on a hill overlooking the battle, and he is holding up his hands over the battle. Now, I don't know what he's doing. Praying, I guess, uh, speaking blessing, interceding, something like that. And as he holds his hands up, the battle goes well. The Israelites are winning. But when his arms get tired and his hands go down, the Amalekites begin to win. So alongside Moses up on top of the mountain are two guys, Aaron, his brother, and Hur, H-U-R. I don't know who Hur is, but a good guy, I guess. So Aaron and Hur are alongside Moses, and they see the effects of when his arms go down, the Israelites go down. So they say, dude, you got to keep the arms up. But Moses says, this is a long battle. My arms are getting tired. So Aaron and her come alongside him and they literally hold his hands up and keep them steady, it says, until sunset. And Joshua overcame the Amalekites with his sword. So yes, he did overcome the Amalekites with his sword, but he wouldn't have if he didn't have Moses on the mountain and Moses wouldn't have helped had he not had Aaron and her Connectivity. Relationships are key in helping us overcome our own battles. So like I said, finished my first draft this week. Now I know I need to look for and get into the editing process. I have some people in mind. I have a feeler out there. I know who I want to go with this time around, but I didn't. The first, I didn't even know what an editor was, like I said. So when I finished that first draft, I really had to ask the Lord, okay, who do I connect with? Because this feels like a very important decision of who looks at my baby, so to speak, and dissects it and sends it back to me in pieces. And then I pay to do that. But who do I entrust to do that? So I had to ask somebody that I trusted who had just written a book. And I said, how, where, what, uh, do you have any recommendations? And he did have some recommendations. Now, look, you can go online and you can find whole lists of editors and writing associations. And if you're involved with a writer's association, I imagine you probably have people in your sphere already who are using editors. Find out who they like and explore that possibility. Because, you know, like lawyers and doctors and teachers and any other profession, there are those with certain levels of expertise that are better than others, or maybe just work better with what you're doing. So I went with this editor that he recommended, and she was amazing, and I greatly appreciated, but she only did developmental edits. And then I had to find someone who does copy edits. She gave me some recommendations, but at that same time, I heard of a friend of ours whose daughter actually owns an editing business, and she employs copy editors. So I spoke with her, and I employed one of her copy editors, and I used them again for my next book, because now I'm in relationship with them. Now I know someone who I can trust. The thing with editing also is that it's going to cost you something financially. So I had to speak with my husband about this. I had to plan for it. I had to save for it. And I also had to get on the editor's schedule. If they're any good, they probably have a schedule of manuscripts that they are working on, and you maybe won't just be able to jump right in and get it done right as soon as you think you need to. So speaking with an editor or finding one 
I would say get on that horse a little sooner than you think you need to so that if you need to save up some finances, you can do that. If you need to get on a schedule, you can do that. Also getting connected with designers and marketers. One of the reasons I didn't, I wanted to finish my first draft about a month ago. I had a goal set for myself when I started in January that I wanted to be done by the end of May. I wasn't, almost not done until the middle to the end of June. But I am connected with an online community. I told you this. It's an artisan's community, Christian artisan's community. Most people are not writers, but there are a few along the way. But what I love about it is that we are all walking parallel paths, and many of us are sort of like me, introverted, a little bit in the upper middle prime of life, and doing new things technologically that perhaps are not our greatest skill set. Even today, I recorded this episode using the wrong microphone, had to erase it, microphone setting on my Audacity software, something I should have seen, didn't see until I went to edit it and thought, why is this so muffled? <laughs> So here we are, take two. But a lot of the people in my community are sort of all challenged in the same way as I am. But we had this community emphasis a few months ago on building websites. Now, I've known that as part of marketing and taking my writing or art seriously, that I really should have a website. I've put it off. I haven't wanted to pay someone and I haven't wanted to do it myself. I don't know if there's any other way to do it. So, but when I'm in this community, I see, okay, there's other women, mostly my age-ish, who are biting that bullet, getting into that process and learning it. And I go and look at their websites and they're good and they're accessible. And I think, all right, Wendy Jo, if they can do this, you can do this. In this community, they also have teachings that are available to you about how do you build a website? What should you put in there? Doing your homework and research before you get into the technology part so you know actually what you want to put in the different places, step by step, sort of holding your hand. And so I decided about mid-May, as I was starting this podcast as well, that I really need a central hub for the spokes of my marketing wheel, as it were, where I can send people say, oh, yeah, just look at my website. So my podcasts are available there. My books are available there. Any other thing that I want to do speaking or what will be available all in this one central place. Now, I it took me some it took some doing to do this. And I had to sort of set aside my writing. But I felt like it was worth the trade off. Like I really need to do this now. Because once I get in the edit, I want to be able to put it somewhere again, where the marketing might be a little easier this time. And I actually found that as I began to learn how to do build a website, Weebly and I became friends. And I actually enjoyed it. And I actually like what I have now. Is it perfect? No. Am I changing it all the time? Yes. But now I know how to change it when I want to change it, how to add things, how to subtract things. And that to me is a valuable, worthwhile skill. But it put off my writing for a little while. So sometimes you make those trade-offs. It's all right. Just keep going. I also think staying connected with a church body in some way, or what I like to call your tribe, finding your tribe spiritually, you know, the Christian world is full of different streams. And you probably are one stream and maybe completely different than mine. We're still following after Jesus. I love them all. I appreciate them all. But in my walk with God, I have ventured in and out of a few different streams. 
as I was writing the second book, we stepped away from a traditional church setting, not because we were mad, not because we were offended. We just felt like we needed a breather. We needed to step back and get some perspective. But we are people who have always been involved with our churches. When I say involved, I mean, we're, we like are very involved. So stepping back and not going somewhere on Sunday morning felt like I'd suddenly become a heathen of sorts. I didn't quite know what to do. We didn't quite know what to do with ourselves. But what we did do, we just met in our home and with a couple of couples and just prayed, had dinner, uh, shared what the Lord was doing in our lives, and continued to meet and uh, encourage one another. And after a few months of doing this, we thought, huh, I wonder if maybe this isn't church. Well, let's think about that. So we pursued that. And as we did, several others were added to our numbers. And these were people who were moving in the same direction and looking for the same things and also looking to set aside some of the same things and realizing that we were had to deconstruct some of our what we thought had to be to be church, realizing that we were full of more traditions of men than we perhaps thought we were. Now, not saying like we found out all the secrets of the universe and how to do church perfectly, nothing like that. It was just us in a new season of following after the Lord, and this is what it looked like. We called it house church for a while, but then we thought, oh, we don't really want that word in there at all. Let's, let's just call it table, because we meet around the table, we break bread together, and we share our lives in Christ together. And it was amazing. Our commitment to one another was, I'll walk with the Lord this week. I will read the word. I will listen to sermons or podcasts or watch YouTube, whatever feeds my spirit throughout the week. And I will bring myself and my journey to the table at the end of the week, and we will share. And as we did that, the Holy Spirit, in the most beautiful, remarkable ways, would weave together a theme for the week. And sometimes it was an idea or a challenge, and sometimes it was a person who became the focus it was all different, but beautifully woven as we gave him just room to do whatever his agenda was. And that became our tribe as I was writing the second book. Now, nobody else at that table, well, one other guy at the table was a writer, but nobody else, everybody else was their own professions and their own strengths and places where they're operating in life. But so I didn't necessarily bring my writing problems to them, but I brought my writing process to them when I was stuck, when I was frustrated, when I was overwhelmed, which there were several times when I had some existential crises as while writing that book. And these were the people I brought it to. And they didn't always understand the intricacies of what I was struggling with, but they understood that I was struggling. And so they became my Aaron and my her. They would hold up my hands when I was just too weary to keep writing. They would intend for me. They would hold space for me. They would, I don't know what, you, they would pray for me. And they would encourage me, send me texts, send me emails, send me different, you know, messages. And, and all those things helped me going in ways that I don't know that they really even understand. But I do understand that they had issues as well, that I was holding them and intending for them on their behalf. So this tribe this table tribe for me was a very important element in my writing process. And I have 
continued to stay connected with some of those people. Not all. Some have moved away and we've had to sort of reconstruct and do, but continuing to stay connected with people, always intentionally doing that. When it comes to uh, marketing, okay, really not. I probably shouldn't say that that way because I know what you you are. What you, anyway, I have challenges with <laughs> marketing. And I think a lot, and I find in the community of people I am connected with, a lot of people struggle with marketing when they're creative artisans or whatever. There are some who are equally strong in both areas, but a lot of us not so much. So like, I just remember that as a kid, I belonged to uh, Bluebirds, it was called. Now, I don't know if that's Girl Scouts or what. Anyway, it was called Bluebirds, and you got a really cute hat and a cute vest, and you could add patches and beads or whatever for different projects. Anyway, it was just very cute. I loved all that. I loved the group and the projects. But at some point in the year, you had to sell cookies. I don't think they were even cookies when it was Bluebirds. I think they were like thin mints, something. They were yummy, but you had to sell like 10 per girl. Now, some girls were out there selling 50 boxes. I struggled immensely to sell my tent. I just had a hard time going door to door or even asking my parents' friends or neighbors or what. I just really struggled with asking people to buy something, even though I knew they were really good. So I quit the Bluebirds. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Didn't want to go through that again. So I just avoided it. Well, when it comes to having a book, at some point, Perhaps the reason you write is so that somebody else will read it. So the marketing aspect has motivated me to get connected with other people whose strengths is marketing, who actually enjoy the wholesale process and the branding and the advertising and all all of that. But I have learned to find those people, stay connected with those people, and keep pushing myself out of my comfort zone, like building a website. I love the verse in Hebrews 10, in 10, 24, and 25, in the Passion Translation, it says, Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Discover creative ways to encourage others. I've even ventured just in the last few weeks to get connected with a writer's cohort group online. Again, but that's through my friend Sherry Ward at Square Tree Publishing, who I connected with to do a redesign and a relaunch of the Baby Catcher Gate. Being connected with people brings opportunities that maybe you wouldn't find by yourself because they have these gifts and abilities that you don't have. So now I'm connecting with this new cohort group. I don't know how long that will last or what, but I felt this need to actually be in a writing community. I haven't always felt that need. Sometimes I don't know why that is exactly, except that I don't want to be so influenced by other people's process that I don't form my own. I don't know if that makes sense, but that was some of now I kind of have my own process, so I'm not so I'm okay with maybe I'm just too easily influenced. I don't know, just my deal. But that's the thing that I said in my own heart and mind. But now I'm really happy to be connected and to bounce ideas and encourage and find creative ways to encourage one another. Part of what I love about that, when we come together as a body and we, we display something bigger than just ourselves. Yes, I have my 
assignment to accomplish. And yes, you have yours. But when we do it alongside one another, when we encourage one, we we celebrate one another, we actually display something bigger and better and more bodacious than anything that we can do on our own. In Ephesians 3, it says, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That's amazing. When you and I work in unity and encouraging and building one another up and helping each other and staying connected, we not only affect the world around us, which we're supposed to do, you know, let our light so shine before men that they see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, but we actually are supposed to impact the heavenly realms as we stay connected in relationship and encouragement and building one another up. Hey, I don't know about you, I think that's pretty exciting. So I hope that encourages you this week, episode six, take two. I sure love and appreciate you. Blessings and peace. Shalom, shalom.